Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. I have a few different questions today about pathological jealousy and pathological love. So, what are the characteristics of these constructs? What is the difference between them? And what personality disorders are pathological jealousy and pathological love associated with? Now, romantic relationships can be complex. We see a lot of positive outcomes associated with a healthy romantic relationship, like improved mental and physical health, as well as some protection against stress. So there can be some clear benefits to intimacy, passion, and companionship. At the same time, romantic relationships can cause a great deal of pain. We see rejection, relational conflicts, and abandonment can all lead to negative mental and physical health outcomes. Now, this dichotomy is evident in a lot of the poetry and movies and songs that we see that have been written over the years about the nature of love. Love is great and at the same time horrible. Again, this interesting dichotomy, the best feeling in the world and heartbreakingly devastating. It's theorized that stressful romantic relationships may exacerbate psychopathology. So if somebody has anxiety, OCD, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, or substance use, for example, all those can be made worse by a dysfunctional romantic relationship. Now, if we look at all the diagnoses available in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM, outside of a few personality disorders, we really don't see too much in the way of disorders being tied to relationships, even though relationships can have a key part in the development and maintenance of disorders. Generally, mental disorders are thought to interfere with relationship functioning as opposed to the relationship aggravating psychopathological symptoms. But of course, we know that both patterns can and often do happen. There are two relational constructs with pathological versions that I'm going to talk about today. As I mentioned, pathological jealousy and pathological love. These are areas of study, not mental disorders. So somebody can't be diagnosed as being pathologically jealous or having pathological love. Now, pathological jealousy is the feeling of ownership over a partner and the fear of betrayal by a partner. It is characterized by aggressiveness, possessiveness, and behaviors which try to confirm the partner's infidelity. Pathological jealousy is associated with paranoid, antisocial, and narcissistic personality disorders. 
Now, with pathological love, here we see passion and a selfless dedication. So this is characterized by providing repetitive and uncontrolled attention and care to a romantic partner. This is sometimes seen with borderline histrionic and dependent personality disorders. So let's start by taking a deeper look at pathological jealousy. So when we're looking at jealousy in general, jealousy is when there is a real or imagined threat to a relationship. It necessitates a love triangle. So three people have to be involved, or at least the perception of a love triangle has to be there. Jealousy is not the same thing as envy. Jealousy always involves a relational component and typically deals with losing a relationship that you have, whereas envy can involve anything, so not just people, but objects, and it deals with wanting something that you don't have, right? So it's sometimes a difficult distinction, and I notice a lot of times they are used interchangeably. Now, jealousy is characterized by feelings like sadness, insecurity, rejection, humiliation, and anger. It's also associated with low self-confidence and relationship dissatisfaction. Jealousy also has a few different types. Reactive jealousy is when a partner is aware of an actual threat. So the threat is real and the partner knows about it. Sometimes this type of jealousy actually predicts increased relationship quality. So a little jealousy can be helpful. The more destructive type of jealousy is referred to as anxious jealousy. Sometimes we see it referred to as preventive jealousy. This type of jealousy appears when there is no real threat, and it's more likely to become pathological than reactive jealousy is. There are two other types of jealousy that I just want to mention, even though I won't be exploring them in this video, and that would be obsessive jealousy, which is considered non-psychotic, and delusional jealousy, which is considered psychotic, right? So two types of jealousy that can also be troublesome but they're beyond the scope of what I'm covering here today. Now, pathological jealousy is thought to be similar to obsessive compulsive disorder. The obsessions would be the thoughts of somebody stealing their partner, and the compulsions would be spying on a partner, getting into arguments with a partner about potential infidelity and aggression. Now, taking a deeper look at pathological love. Sometimes love can hurt, and that's what we're really talking about when we're talking about pathological love. It causes suffering due to excessive care and devotion, and this suffering is created on both sides of the relationship. Individuals manifesting pathological love neglect other activities and interests, even ones that were valuable to them, because they're prioritizing that romantic partner. Interestingly, pathological love tends to manifest in situations where a person is dissatisfied with the relationship. So we see that this is really paradoxical in nature. The person is not happy with their partner, but they work to express excessive devotion. This is why some people classify pathological love as an addiction. Pathological love and addiction actually have a lot in common, including a number of tendencies like harm avoidance, reward dependence, novelty seeking, high impulsivity, and low self-directedness. People who are addicted to substances go to great lengths to obtain the substances, even though they cause pain and destruction. And pathological love really works the same way. Someone is expressing a lot of love, they're trying to get the attention of their partner, but by doing that, by loving them, they're causing pain, again, to both people. So the question becomes, are pathological jealousy and pathological love distinct constructs? Even though we define them differently, are they actually different in the real world? Here's what we see in the research. We see this study that compared 
a group of people with pathological jealousy to a group of people with pathological love. I'll put the reference to this article and all the articles I used in the description for this video. From the results of this study, we see that individuals with pathological jealousy are more likely to be in relationship than individuals with pathological love. Now, this is interesting because we would think that both groups would have a tendency to be in a relationship because it seems like that would be necessary to report these conditions. Like if somebody wasn't in a relationship, why would they be jealous? Or if they weren't in a relationship, why would they have difficulty with loving too much? Who are they being jealous of and who are they loving? So it doesn't seem to make sense, but interestingly, less than half of those in the pathological love group reported being in a relationship, whereas 90% of the people in the pathological jealousy group were in a relationship. Now, it's theorized that people with pathological love are often rejected. That would explain why more than half did not have a current relationship, because it's the neediness that gets in the way, right? This is unattractive. Now, of course, pathological jealousy is also unattractive, but perhaps this behavior keeps relationships together more effectively than the behaviors associated with pathological love. Pathological jealousy is more aggressive and controlling, whereas pathological love is more submissive. Perhaps that explains how those with the pathological jealousy keep the relationship together when those with pathological love do not. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, those in the pathological love group who were in a relationship, they reported lower relationship satisfaction as compared to the individuals with pathological jealousy who were in a relationship. Another interesting difference, individuals with pathological jealousy didn't report any higher levels of jealousy in the relationship as compared with those with pathological love, suggesting a cognitive distortion is at work here. Perhaps they believe that jealousy is really an act of love. So they believe they're loving their partner more by being jealous of another person, right? So again, kind of distorted thinking. In terms of attachment styles, the anxious attachment style was actually the most popular style with both types of pathological behavior. However, the avoidant attachment style was most associated with pathological jealousy. This is actually fairly interesting. Typically with avoidant attachment style, we see an individual has a fear of abandonment and when the relationship is threatened, they tend to withdraw. They become cold and distant, like no physical affection, for example. However, with pathological jealousy, we see someone who is aggressive and they try to exert control when a relationship is threatened. So perhaps we see a different reaction here based on the same fear of abandonment, right? So somebody with pathological jealousy is going to act out. They're going to be active and aggressive instead of the traditional 
avoidant attachment response. So back to the anxious attachment style. Again, we saw that with both constructs. We see here that this attachment style has an association to what is referred to as the mania love style. This is a pattern of obsessions, jealousy, and dependence. So not surprisingly, the mania love style was associated with both pathological jealousy and love. Now, pathological love was associated with a deficit in parenting ability, and pathological jealousy was not, perhaps due to the highly focused nature of pathological love, being focused on one's partner and not the needs of the children. In terms of comorbid psychopathology, so this would be disorders that tend to co-occur with these types of constructs. Both constructs demonstrate significant comorbidity. 72% of the sample met the criteria for a comorbid mental disorder, with major depressive disorder being the most common by far. There weren't really any differences between the groups in terms of mental disorder comorbidity. Like we didn't see one mental disorder highly comorbid with one construct and not with the other. Now, one thing we would expect to see here is that both of these constructs would be highly comorbid with addiction, but that wasn't identified in these results. This was actually quite surprising. There are many reasons why this could have been missed. One is it may not exist. There may not be a link there, but other reasons could include a small sample size, and there may have been process addictions present. Those weren't measured, so of course they would have been missed if they were there. Now, looking at the personality features of these constructs, we do see a difference here. So I'm going to go through really quickly the 10 personality disorders and the clusters. So cluster A personality pathology, that's the odd eccentric cluster. There are three personality disorders there, paranoid, schizoid, and schizotypal. Cluster B personality pathology is the dramatic erratic cluster. We see antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorders in that cluster. And cluster C is the anxious, fearful cluster. Here we see avoidant, dependent, and obsessive-compulsive personality disorder which is different than obsessive-compulsive disorder. So pathological jealousy was most strongly associated with cluster B personality features, but it also had a fairly strong association to cluster C. We didn't see any relationship with cluster A. Now, pathological love was strongly associated with cluster C personality pathology and not really that strongly associated with cluster A or B. So with the jealousy, we see the connection to cluster B and C. And with the love, we see the connection to cluster C. Now, with pathological jealousy, this kind of makes sense. Jealousy can connect to a number of narcissistic, borderline, and antisocial elements. With narcissistic, we see somebody who's manipulative, entitled, and dominant. That's consistent with jealousy. With borderline, we see a fear of abandonment, anger, insecurity, and distrust. With antisocial personality disorder, we see aggression and impulsivity. Now, with histrionic, jealousy really isn't connected to this construct. That would be really more associated with pathological love. Now, in the same way that jealousy aligns with cluster B, we see that the love aligns with cluster C. We see pathological love lines up with a few avoidant and dependent traits. With avoidant personality pathology, we see submissiveness. That's consistent with this pathological love behavior. And of course, with dependent, we see excessive neediness. I don't really see pathological love as being related to obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, but of course we see that pathological jealousy may have some connection to that construct. So the question that would come up here would be, what about cluster A personality features or pathology, specifically paranoid personality disorder? 
we see this disorder is characterized by intense distrust and hostility. So it seems to align really closely with the construct of pathological jealousy. So it's interesting we don't see a relationship here, but it's worth noting that we can see the same distrust and hostility in cluster B with three of the four personality disorders. So antisocial, borderline, and narcissistic. Again, histrionic kind of stands out by itself. We wouldn't expect somebody with that disorder or those features to be distrusting and hostile. So what's the takeaway from all this information, all these findings from the study and other things we know about these constructs? Well, it's important to be on the lookout for pathological jealousy and love, especially in the presence of cluster B and cluster C personality features. Somebody can manifest both types of pathological behavior at the same time, but we would expect one type to be dominant, right? The person is mostly jealous or they're mostly overcaring. It would be unusual to see somebody who had the same degree of both of these constructs. If somebody is suffering from either pathological jealousy or pathological love, seeking counseling is always a good idea. I know I mentioned that these aren't official mental disorders like in the DSM, but of course they can still be the focus of treatment. And many times in my career, I've worked with people who had these types of pathology. They can be very destructive to relationships. Now, they have that tie with personality features. So some of the thinking might be that these types of behaviors don't change, but personality really runs on a continuum. So somebody might have cluster B and cluster C personality features without having, again, the disorder. So depending on the intensity of the pathology, somebody could change. Somebody could go to counseling and become less jealous. And I guess love less, that seems a little weird to say, like you don't want somebody to love less, but in reality, you really do with pathological love. Now, sometimes though, I've seen these as very entrenched traits, right? Somebody's really jealous and they've always been jealous. And there's really no sign they're going to change. And someone who's extremely needy and again, kind of excessively cares to the point where they drive people away. Both situations are actually quite sad. And I would hope that, again, somebody with these conditions or somebody who has a partner with these conditions would be encouraged to come into therapy and kind of talk through these different behaviors and see what can be done to preserve the relationship, to increase the level of satisfaction. Now, interestingly, a lot of people think of these behaviors as having the same purpose. It's all about a fear of abandonment. That's really the core of both of these constructs. So it's not necessarily coming from a place of anger or rage or even necessarily manipulation. It could be, but it's not necessarily. It could just be a fear of abandonment and insecurity. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Breitigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.
Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.